0: Welcome to this week's edition of the Scots in Us. I'm Camilla Hellman, and this week I could not be more excited because the long wait is over and the 2023 Edinburgh festivals are now kicking off this weekend, past weekend, in Edinburgh. Edinburgh is now a buzz. And let's begin with a message from Shona McCarthy, who is the chief executive of the Edinburgh Finch Society.
1: Hi, I am Shona McCarthy. I am the Chief Executive of the Edinburgh Festival Fringe Society. The Edinburgh Fringe is quite simply the biggest performing arts festival in the world. This year we will be welcoming over 68 countries, some 3,000 shows and growing and I'm absolutely thrilled to say that 356 of those shows are going to be coming from the United States of America. The Fringe is a unique festival in that it welcomes work across every possible art form in the performing arts. So you can see cabaret, you can see comedy, you can see world class theatre and the other thing that I love about this festival is that it is a real leveller. It doesn't matter whether you're um, an emerging company, whether you're a student company at the starting point of your career or whether you're an established world-class artist. Um, we have Dame Judi Dench here this year, for example. Everyone is welcome at The Fringe. We have a mantra for this festival to give anyone a stage and everyone a seat. And it's fundamental to what The Fringe is about, that platform for a creative freedom of expression. And we are really looking forward to welcoming you here this year. The Fringe Society itself is the charitable organisation that was set up by artists back in 1958 to help coordinate and provide central services to support the Fringe. The kinds of things that we do are um, advise, support and give good counsel to artists who want to be part of the festival, uh, provide professional development programmes. We support all of the delegates who come from around the world to look for new talent, to find shows. We support the media who come to review and to cover the festival um, and generally support artists to have a positive and good experience whilst they're here, whether that's mental health support, whether that's parents and performing arts care. um, Everything that um, encourages both artists and audiences to have a good experience tends to sit within the remit of the Fringe Society. The Fringe has had a long and positive history with um, our friends and colleagues from the the theatre and performing arts world in America. Right back um, from the early days, Jim Haynes, an American ex-military officer from America, came over and was a massive part of the, the foundations of the Fringe. He also played a key role in finding the Traverse Theatre, which is both a Fringe venue but also a year-round hub of uh, new writing and and new theatre work. So Jim played that really important part, was part of the first printed programme at the Fringe as well. Then we go on to the 1960s and in the 1960s I think the first Fringe performances from the States were from the University of Southern California and some of the creatives there brought work from America's amazing kind of creatives like Tennessee Williams and many others. Go on then to the 1990s and we are talking about comedy and some of the kind of great artists like Bill Hicks and others who came from America to be part of that real emergence of comedy on the fringe. Um, in the, in the, the early 2000s, Guy Masterson, our Olivier Award-winning um, British director, brought One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which starred Christian Slater. I could go on forever on this from David Schwimmer, Lin-Manuel Miranda, Ruby Wax, indeed the brilliant Robin Williams, all of them have left their mark um, and equally the Fringe has, in Edinburgh has left its mark on, on those incredible artists. So that deep relationship has a long history and as part of that we wanted to ask some of our um, American friends and supporters if you would be interested in becoming donors or interested in becoming friends or patrons of the fringe. Giving you an opportunity to deepen that relationship an opportunity to support this extraordinary platform for artists from across the world and also give you a chance to maybe see behind the scenes a little bit of The Fringe as well. Um, The other thing that we have done this year is for the first time we have a US donors and supporters page on our website and that gives the opportunity for American donors who would like to contribute to The Fringe the opportunity to do so whilst also claiming tax benefits on that donation. So we welcome your support. We love your support Uh, and just be in touch with us if that's something that you would like to do. From myself and the whole team at the Edinburgh Festival Fringe, we cannot wait to welcome you to this beautiful city of Edinburgh. We can't wait to see you at the Fringe. It's an explosion of creativity that takes over every nook, every cranny, every stage, every alleyway of this great city during August. So happy Fringe and we can't wait to see you here.
0: In the coming weeks, there will be over 3,000 performances taking place, and 10% of them will be happening over The Pleasance. The Pleasance is headed up by Anthony Auderton, and we spoke with him earlier this month, so let's catch up with him here. You, what are the sort of top three, top five that you have as, of things that are coming?
2: Um I think, well, talking of musicals, first of all, we run a um a funding scheme called the Charlie Hartill Fund, which has been going for I think 17 gosh, even longer. 18 years now, I think. Um, and what we do is we do a showcase in London, our theatre in London. We 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 had about a hundred applications this year, and we then pick one show that we are going to fully fund. Well, this year the quality was so big and so good that we um we pick two. Um, one is a musical called Public, which is um, it's sort of folk music, um, country folk music. I mean, really, really cleverly composed. The singing and the songs are wonderful. Um, and it's about five people trapped in a gender-neutral toilet for an hour as they try and work out all the issues that surround... Um, the sort of culture wars that we're having um, across all of our societies at the moment to do with trans, to do with all of those identities and, and so on and all the difficulties with it and 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 what comes with cancel culture and so on. So it's a really, it's a wonderful way and it's funny, it's charming, it's really, really, really fun um, and very clever. Um, so that's one piece. We're doing a lovely piece from a company um from Glasgow, which is sort of the history of Edinburgh and its musical called Bam Pots. And, and it's a brilliant,
0: winner. And that was This the is other another winner.
2: this is this has also come through the Charlie Hartill fund. Um and it's the history of Scotland or everything that you would find, all the sort of cliches of Scotland sort of squished into one very, very funny musical show. And it's a, for anyone visiting Scotland for the first time, it's a brilliant place to start because it just, it's irreverent and gorgeous and and just lovely. And they're students and they're, it's just brilliant. Really funny, really
0: funny. Where are they students from?
2: Um, From all over. Um, from all over Scotland. they're a company who've come together, but I think predominantly Glasgow. um, but they've come from all over all over Scotland. Um, so a fantastic piece, piece of work. Um, another piece, another musical piece. We're doing Tony Blair, the rock opera, um which is the political life of um, Tony Blair, written by a very famous comic in this country called Harry Hill. Um, who has put together this rock opera and is in one of our biggest spaces and I think it's going to be great I haven't seen it yet it's it's touring the uk at the moment and getting brilliant reviews um so I'm very very excited to see that see that coming uh, the comedy of operas it's a Spanish company um who have put together the sort of first it 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 takes the some of the characters the sort of cliches of grand opera Um, And it sets these characters in a completely sung, um, I suppose, jukebox opera. Um, So if you could imagine all of your favorite arias and duets all in one show, Um, and it's just fantastic. The singing is incredible. They are really, really, really talented opera singers. Absolutely some of the best. It's a cast of five. And it's about those lovely sort of wavering love stories that happen in opera between you know one couple and another, and then they swap over, and then someone murders someone else. And then I mean it just is fantastic and it's very funny. Um, but there are moments when you get sort of modern music breaking out of it, and their point is. You know that actually an awful lot of modern music has come or has been influenced by opera, by these extraordinary, um, extraordinary composers. But it's just an hour and a half of joy where you get to hear, you know, everything from Mozart, Puccini, right the way through the kind of opera canon. It's just fabulous fun, um, and it's very gentle. So for anybody who is scared of, or feels that opera is not for them, this is definitely a show for them because it's is—it's just really accessible and really, really gorgeous.
0: And then you always have, apart from the comedy and the music and everything, you have some, usually some outstanding key shows. Last year, the Ukrainian ballet was so fantastic and moving. Um, So this year, Um, Would that be Dark Noon?
2: Yeah, I think that's probably our biggest show. And it's very unusual for us because it's set almost in... It's set in Traverse. There are 200 seats on stage. Um, This vast stage, which is 16 metres by 10 metres, and it's a great big sort of sandpit, if you like. And it is the story of North America told through the eyes of seven South Africans. Um, and it starts with the Pilgrims and the arrival of the Pilgrims in the east coast of America, and you very quickly move into the race for land, um, and that spread. The whole thing is contrived a bit like a 1940s movie set. It looks like a movie set, and through the course of this play, they build on stage the sort of skeleton of what could be described as a sort of cliché Um, frontier western town that you would see in any sort of good cowboy film. Um, And what's really at its heart is about the violence of North America and and the proliferation of violence across America and that that violence still exists. And it's, you know, everything is solved with a gun That that idea that you know that that very brutal lifestyle you know that frontier all those people who pushed out into the west the brutality of that lifestyle but act and it takes you right the way through to the 1930s. At one point they build a railway line right the way through the middle of the set. They build a church. They build. You see the founding of the Bank of America and the rise of capitalism and the rise of. Of the sort of avarice nature of 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 the the capitalist sort of ideal, if you like. But then, at the very end, the last sort of five minutes, it comes to a sort of crashing halt. and you then understand that actually these people are talking about how Europe has spread violence across so much of the world, because actually what they're really mirroring, is their own lives um, through their experiences of apartheid and what happened in South Africa and what continues to happen in South Africa.
0: As we're hearing many of the productions that are taking place in Edinburgh in the next few weeks are international and 59 East 59th Street Theatre has just completed a series East to Edinburgh, 13 productions. This is an annual occurrence with them as they support young, new uh, plays and playwriters wending their way across the Atlantic. One of the ones we really enjoyed and caught up with was by JJ J. Pyle. She is the writer and star of How to Find a Husband in 37 Years or Longer. And so Let's catch up with her to hear what it takes to put a production on in Edinburgh, Drain the Fringe. And their production is taking place at Surgeon's Hall from now through the 26th.
3: Thank you everybody for joining me. Um, I'm Avery Withers and I am the podcast producer for all of American Scottish Foundation's podcasts. And today I am joined by JJ Pyle, who is the writer and star of How to Find a Husband in 37 Years or Longer, um, which is currently premiering at um, East 59, East 59 as part of their East East of Edinburgh series. um, One of the several shows that is soon going to be uh, premiering at the Fringe Festival in August. Um, Thank you for joining me, JJ. Uh, I really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, will you tell us a little about the show and your writing process? Um, how long did it take to write? It seems by the title, it seems to be a long <laughs> time. So um, uh, uh,
4: yeah, just tell us a little bit about it. Yes. So I've been working on this show for a very long time. Um, I didn't, when I started, I actually didn't realize that it was going to be this show. Um, I just had a vague idea that I would write a book a self-help book to help people get through heartbreaks because i was in the middle of like a gut-wrenching heartbreak and i couldn't move on with my life but then i realized i needed to help myself first so it kind of started as journaling and and trying to figure things out and then like a few years later i went to a acting writing retreat and i had this um I had transcribed this thing that my dad did that i had recorded him and I had been writing these stories about love and breakups and heartbreak and these kinds of things. And I realized um, in reading this material on that retreat that it was the same script and that I had to play my own dad. So it's it's a story of my dad and me sitting in a truck talking um, and his stuff is recorded. Um, he actually said all of these things and then things that he says sparks my memories to go off into a little tangent of like um a tumultuous oh not they They weren't all tumultuous many of the tumultuous ones ended up in the script because it seems like when we workshopped people want to see the drama but some of them are the falling in love stories and some of them are the the breakup stories of my own relationships hmm. um, and I suppose I was actually writing it on and off for 10 years <laughs> it's a long time but it was um it's a hard thing to put up stories about your own family and people that you're close with in your life. So I think that's why it took me so long Mm. to get it going. But um, yeah, I think that's why.
3: How often is your writing process usually dealing with your own experiences and those of your own families, or is this something um, performance wise that uh, is
4: new and exciting um, that, This is the first, um, I've written things dabbled, but this is the first thing that I've written the whole script and it's getting put out into the world. I do have two scripts right behind this. Um, and I just find that that's the way that I was able to start writing or to learn how to writing, to learn how to write, um, is autobiographically just writing things about things I've seen or done or people that I've known or dialogue that I've experienced with people. Mm -hmm. Um, the next script that I'm working on, though, is uh, researched. I'm researching someone else and adapting it. So I'm also excited about that too. Like the first thing that I did and 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 learned how to do this process, I guess, as I'm learning it, was autobiographical. But now I'm excited to to research someone else and play them. Yeah, I think it might be. I think it might be a bit more freeing, and it might. Um, take less time <laughs> <laughs> because I'm not as scared to tell someone else's story as I was to tell my own, if that makes sense.
3: Yeah, definitely.
4: Um, so how um, was the process
3: of mounting it up at 5959? Um, How long did that take to fully move into the theater? I know you're only there for... Um, You were there from July 11th to the 20th. uh, How long was that rehearsal process and what was that rehearsal process like? And why did you think it was important um, to do the show in New York before moving it on to
4: um, Edinburgh? So we did a three-day workshop in September of 2022, just because we needed to see the whole script in front of an audience finally. Because I've been doing little, I've been workshopping little, like, 15-minute sections. We'd never seen the whole thing. So we did a three-day workshop at Under St. Mark's. And then we took a lot of audience notes. And we made some changes based on things that people were confused about or that they said they wanted more of or this and that. And then we went to LA. And we did two shows with that version. And both of those shows were about 75 minutes long. And so for Edinburgh, you, I was advised... Um, and most people take a 60 minute version. So then I cut it again to 60 minutes. So we've done all of this process in about one year. Um, by the time we go to Edinburgh, it would be yeah, just like a year that we workshopped and did all of this. Um, So the process with 59E 59th is basically whoever comes to them first and has their venue already set in Edinburgh. So I went to a meeting there and um, uh, Lindsay Jackson was her name, was very helpful. She's the chief executive of Fringe Society or something. She came from Edinburgh, did a meeting, answered all of our questions, gave me very good advice. Um, and I had been talking to Charles at the Space UK, so we were almost ready to sign the contract. And so I just spoke to um, the people at Fifty 59th and put my name on the list. And I, and I got in, <laughs> I was one of the first 13 or however many people that they take.
3: Yeah,
4: um, And they're really great. They're super organized. Their people reach out to you, their tech people, their box office people, you know, all the people. And, um, and then when you get into the theater you have five hours of tech and you're basically they pretty much let you be on your own. Like we hung our own projector. Um, they show us how to run their equipment and then we just do it
3: yeah
4: um it's not and you can't keep any of your stuff there uh because they have 13 shows so it's basically every night we go a half an hour you know half an hour 45 minutes before the show we set up we do the show we take everything with us and we leave so they're trying to get us prepped to be able to get in and out do something fast once we get over over to edinburgh Mm mm-hmm And I think over there, we only get like two hours or less of tech. So it's... it's. Oh, wow. So even more condensed than that. Yeah. So it's a good thing to get some practice with.
3: Yeah. Yeah. That's the shortest tech I think I've ever heard in my life, it seems. I'm I'm so
4: scared. Oh, (laughs) my (laughs) gosh.
3: How are you going to do it? I wish you all the luck. (laughs) Um, um, Why did you... So you said it was like a year-long process, essentially, of getting the show ready for The Fringe. Yeah. Yeah. why do you, why did you want to bring the show to the Fringe specifically? Like, what are you hoping to gain by showing the well, show over
4: there? I've always wanted to go to the Fringe since I've heard about it. Just like the energy and it just feels like it's going to be like Disneyland theater camp, you know, for for adults and and so many shows being in one place. So many people being there for the same reason. Like, it just feels like so hard Especially a solo show, and not even solo shows, um, to get audience to to come out. And in LA, it's even harder. When I lived in LA than New York, but and it's, it's probably going to be hard to get audience there too because it's so many shows. But I feel like to be in a place where everybody is there for the sole purpose of seeing shows might like feel cool. Mm-hmm. I just want to I want to experience it, and I do think that my show could be made into other things. Like I I had like three times as much material as I have in the show because it had to get condensed down to a performable length. Yeah. So I think we can make it into a podcast. I think it could be a movie. I think it could be episodic. I think it could be, I just want to get it out in the world and see what we can do with it. I think it could. I'm also excited to move on to the next project because I've been doing this for so long. But I do think there's a lot of little stories here and a a lot of funny little things that people relate to in the dating, even marriage world, in the relationship world with family or with your lovers or, you know, things like that. I think the show has somewhere to move. And I just want to, I feel like Fringe is the biggest place to take it to see how it can exponentially expand and grow in a short amount of time.
3: Yeah, that's amazing. Um, Are you looking to... So for your next projects, or do you think you're gonna do a similar process? Like you saying it's not gonna take you as long to write, but are you think maybe more fringe if this is in your future? I mean,
4: um, maybe. Um I have to see how this one goes, but I I have it definitely is a process yes. that has made me learn really quickly. I've produced things before in LA and some small you know little showcasey things in New York. but producing something like this by yourself, and I know you there is an option where you can hire producers to do it for you. Um, and I think I think it's not that much more expensive. I've been talking to people like you can pay somebody twenty thousand dollars to do all the work for you, or you can do all the work and pay that much anyway to 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 get your stuff there because you still have to rent the theater, you still have to advertise. you still have to buy plane tickets for everyone you know so it's there are two ways to go and I think doing it the way I have and doing it all myself has made me learn so much and so fast like you have to
3: reality. fill every role eventually. exactly
4: yeah exactly and it's hard to do it while you're actually editing and recutting the show and rehearsing the show and figuring it out like I just I just now feel like I'm starting to get to the point where I can kind of actually play with the show and play with the audience, just because I feel like my brain is so saturated with everything and trying to remember all the cuts and remember all the lines and that I'm just like a little bit in a box with the performance. So the last show we had um, at 59, I felt like for the first time that I could start to play a little bit. It's just because all those other things like kind of steep in there and you're, you're a little bit tight. But yeah. but I do feel like I've learned how to do this and I could do it like next time, yeah. you know? So yeah. if we want to take the next show there and there were enough benefits in doing it, I would 100% do it again. And I can say that and I haven't even been yet. So
3: yeah.
4: it just feels like such a, a learning curve
3: Yeah.
4: in but the whole me- process.
3: You sound like you're in a great spot to like go to you like after the show, you know, like really finding a way to find like the spontaneity and the things that you've created that's taken so long to create, but still there seems to be new things coming. Um, before taking it to the fringe, that's so exciting. It's got to be a great feeling. Um,
4: I, I I feel I I do feel excited and getting notes from people and getting reviews. Like it's I'm actually finding that to be fascinating because people just have completely different opinions. <laughs> they can watch the same thing and like love love me so much. And then they can just be like, she's not funny. She's not likable. She's not, and I'm like, oh, and it hurts my feelings for 10 seconds. And I'm like, oh, the other people liked me, you know? So it's just, yeah.
3: it's yeah. also like
4: a learning curve in that aspect too. So yeah,
3: amazing. Um, well, thank you for joining me, JJ. This has been so, so great. Um, uh, you're playing, um, I believe at the
4: Haldane De- Theater Theater at the Space UK. Mm-hmm. And we have two different times because the theater had other shows in there, which i found also that that might be interesting. To see how an audience differs in the evening than in the daytime. Mm. So the first three, the fourth through the 19th were at 1730. I'm not good with it with the military time yet. I think that's like 5:30. And then um the 20th through the 26th were at noon. So we'll see how those different audiences, how those different audiences like the show as well.
3: Yeah. Well. Thank you so much. Um, we look forward to seeing you in Edinburgh. Um, and for all of our members that wanna catch um, the 59 East 59 East of Edinburgh, we do have a code that you can use that's attached in your booklet. If you wanna come by and grab and see um, how to find husband in 37 years or longer before it heads off. Um, thank you again, JJ. Uh, it's appreciate it. This is fun. You.
0: Earlier this spring, we were able to spotlight and preview the wonderful work of Scott Gilmore and Claire Mackenzie of Noisemaker and their new production, Scots, which will be on in Edinburgh at the Gilly Dew from the 14th to the 27th. A play, a pie and a pint. And you can g- g- get your tickets. We suggest you reserve your tickets now. It's at 1 p.m. and 5 p.m., and it's bound to be sold out. But let's take a listen to just a little excerpt from Scott's.
2: Oh, you need me, let
1: this rip.
2: Oh, give me a problem,
1: I'll solve it. Give me a future, I'll see it. Give me a reason, give me a reason not to change the world. Give me a page and I'll quell it. Give me a stage and I'll
2: fill it. Give me a reason, give me a reason not to change the world.
0: I'm William Cullen, and here's my stench. I keep it cool, so I invented the French. James Tommer's gonna leave
2: you down, cause you've been licking my postage stamp.
1: Who's on the phone? It's A.G. Bell, calling to say, I built the graphophone as well. What? You're my six tires, John Boyd,
4: don't go. Oh. Alan McMaster's will make your toast and bye
0: know you want me my there is so much that's going to be going on go to ed- the edinburgh festival app to learn more about the tickets you should be purchasing it is good to have a few markers down of the things you're going to go to and then as you pass by things you may drop in and do that but it's good to try and get a few of them in so go to ed fringe.com and there you'll find all the shows we've been talking about we'd love to hear from you to hear about your favorite show so that we can share your news and ideas on our next upcoming episodes join us the first and third monday of the month for more from the edinburgh fringe and all the art institutions that we love and hold so dear to us and share our love of scotland thank you for joining us And learn more about the American Scottish Foundation at americanscottishfoundation.org. Thank you for joining us.